This is One Ogden. I'm John Miles. Josh is the brewer and founder of Sunti Kombucha, a company started in Ogden that's grown popular throughout the Western United States. Now Josh has plans to split with his corporate partners and refocus on the Ogden area, beginning with their campaign to make kombucha local again. I'm a military brat. I moved here when I was 11 okay. uh, due to my dad's military career. And so like the military forced you guys here? Uh, well, I think my parents chose to, oh. to move here. He had some options. Huh. Um, I think Utah's, Utah's where they met. They oh. met at basic training in um, Layton oh, okay. at Hill. So. All right. So military brought them together and brought them here. Yeah, huh? military brought them together. And then they spent, so I was born in Panama. Okay. So after they met in on Hill Base, I was born in Panama. Three years later, they moved to the Midwest. We spent some time in a little place called Plasmouth, Nebraska. My whole family's in the mid South Dakota, Kansas. So like, where'd you go to high school? I went to Ogden High. Okay. So I graduated Ogden High, 05. And so how'd you get started in kombucha? Uh, it was a health thing. So I was working a, a physical job. I was a landscaper in the summer and I was a snowboard instructor in the wintertime. And so being active and healthy was a big part of it. And my diet absolutely sucked. And I was just at a point in my life where I'm like, man, I got to change something. And I had a buddy who uh, had a, a bottle of kombucha. And I was like, what is that? He's like, it's kombucha, man. You want to try it? First drink, I was like, oh, this is something. And he, I'm like, so what's the story? He's like, well, it's this and this. And I just started drinking it. And it changed my gut health like huh. immediately. First couple of days, I was just mind blown. And then I started spending all my money on kombucha every day, <laughs> four or five dollars a bottle or whatever it was at that time. And so then I, I found a way to brew it at home, which turns out to be easier than making beer or, or other things. But it is a time like every seven days you're cycling, right? You're, you're doing a new batch. You're adding brewing new sugar. So I was just doing that for about two years and then had a buddy hit me up and said, we have an opportunity. Do you want to do this for work? And I I said, okay. (laughs) And that's kind of like the the initial origin. So, wow, that's cool. Yeah. So, like, what is kombucha then? Like, so kombucha in essence is just tea and sugar fermented with this bacteria called a SCOBY, a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. Um, And it just eats up the sugars and the tannins and the caffeine from the tea and sugar and turns it into probiotics, amino acids, lactic acid, and acetic acid. So, it's just overall like a nature's health beverage. So it's like a, a tea that you put sugar and yeast in, and then that stuff starts reacting, and it creates, like, does it... So yeast is a part of the bacteria. So the oh. SCOBY, that symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast, is they, they operate together, the bacteria and the yeast. But you, you add the SCOBY to it. Yeah, but the yeast is a, happens after, during fermentation. So you get more yeast as a reaction to the fermentation. The probiotic eat up things, and in essence, poop out yeast. Uh-huh. And then the yeast then eat more sugar and create co2 and it's this whole symbiotic pro- process where does the scoby come from so that it's like the the what came first the chicken or the egg it's like the same kind of like we don't really know if the scoby just was something that somebody found so kombucha in essence is really old uh-huh um it there's history like buddha times that there's there's old stories about kombucha like the mongols would drink it to go into battle they were known to have a a flask of kombucha on their hip to keep them aggressive and and healthy during battle um and there's an old story like there uh there's this great book called the kombucha bible 
uh, that they made. It's just like a great instructor on how to do kombucha at home. And they tell you this little story at how a monk set a glass of sweet tea on his window and let it sit a f- or a fruit fly dropped dropped on the tea and then several days later this biomass appeared and that's like the origin of kombucha where it's like this it just kind of happened and then they started utilizing it and the and the monk drank it and realized that he felt revitalized and but so like the probiotics they're like alive right yeah they're like it's a completely alive beverage like you have active live bacteria going into your so guts. that's my stupid question is are you creating life maybe <laughs> maybe dude <laughs> i right. mean in essence yeah but i think you do the same thing when you create a sourdough or you like or yogurt or it's you're creating life anytime you you work with certain food and that's what's really cool is like this symbiosis where it always comes back to for me because it's like the the synergy of people and things working together to create one unified thing yeah that's cool. i can nerd out on the scoby all day like, there's, <laughs> there's a r- lot of really cool things that they can do with scobies and 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 the synergy of it you know? Well, and, and what, what can they do for the gut? Like, what do they do inside the body? So basically neutralize acids and, and make your, be- your body better at digesting the, all the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not to get too crass, but you, you poop better. Okay. You know, you have a more clean bowel and it just tends to like help your body digest the things that are typically very hard to digest. If you have a very high red meat diet, it really helps digest that stuff and really helps your body just get like deal with all the garbage inside of you. Right. So you're putting living bacteria that feed on garbage into your body to eat the garbage that's in there. Yeah, exactly. The stuff that we can't get out due to like how our, our diets are, especially in the United States. And like, they're kind of like hard to come by probiotics. Like it's only like maybe yogurt. uh, Yeah. And well, it's hard to come by live, like truly alive probiotics. Like most companies are using some sort of powdered or neutralized pre like made bacteria in a lab. So they can count exactly how many millions or billions of that certain bacteria in the kombucha. Whereas like ours, we, we can't measure that because we're not putting it in. It's being created. Huh? And we try to keep ours as alive as possible. We, we don't neutralize it. We don't heat it up. We try to brew it for a short time so that it's more alive and less and still fits the parameter that we're required to follow uh, due to state, state laws and stuff. So are there ways to know how much probiotics are in there? Or? Yeah. So uh, doing a mass spectronomy, that can tell you, but it's very, very expensive. Okay. And you have to kind of know what you're looking for. And a lot of times... In this bacterial world, there's still bacteria that have not been identified. So to to really know every strain of bacteria is very difficult, especially when you're working with a product. So that's why most companies will just add it so they can say, oh, yeah, there's a million of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you start making kombucha. Somebody says, hey, let's start selling this stuff. So you start doing it. Is it a business at that point or like when does it kind of take off? So, yeah, I have have a unique origin story in that essence is that uh, I got an angel investor who backed me initially. Um, because of a friend of mine and I won't mention names just to protect them but yeah he was those two guys were big catalysts like people I still have a lot of gratitude to this day all right because I wouldn't be where I am today without them Uh and uh, so we have one guy who knew my product who was a local dude who's still around but he kind of got me into the world and then dealing with the investment that's where you know obviously relationships and different things happen and we had that typical like investment didn't like my buddy and I was already tied into this. I had a family and things to worry about. Like I just had, I chose kombucha because of the situation. Uh-huh. And um, I'm grateful that I did because it got me in a position to hopefully make it my own. Yeah. But that's where it started is this guy invested. We did small batch. 
initially, like we showed you earlier in those small five gallon tanks and just worked our way up. So when we first got, we did a bunch of research. We just, we went to Colorado, we did a fun road trip and we wanted to figure out, you know, how, what's the best way to sell kombucha. And there's two ways you have your distribution, which is like the big guys, GT kombucha, locally mama Chari's, uh, Hans kombucha. They do the, the packaging thing. And then there's the tap house version, which you'll find in a lot of really cool places like Oregon, all over. I think the East Coast has some too where you go and they'll just have a collection of tap houses. Actually, there's a cool place in Salt Lake they just put in that serves all kombuchas and then you just go in and get a kombucha of your choice. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, the hope was we wanted to be a part of that version of the business of having kegs and having tap and then putting that in local businesses around and that's how we started yeah. so our shout out to sadie from grounds for coffee on 25th street she was one of the first people allowed us to sell our product in her shop and we first place to have our kegerators her and then Susie up on 30th street in grounds for grounds. coffee those two were the first places that let us in and then good earth on riverdale so i have a uh a soft spot for all of those three of those businesses that just gave us a chance and gave us an opportunity to, to sell our product to the community. And so it went from that then to two years later, the focus was packaging. We still sold to those people. Um, eventually they got rid of the kegerators cause it, they're kind of a mess. And then we did bottles and cans from that point until like currently we were doing just mostly packaging. We still sold kegs. That was still a big part of it, but we were really just producing like six of our main stays. So like you're here, you're doing the brewing and you're yep. like networking with some local stuff. But then there's this kind of other half of the business where they're like big money side and, and let's send this out as far as big we can. Big corporate mentality, like <laughs> majorly. Like it was, they wanted to just blow up and be big. Uh -huh. And and I mean, there's just two businesses right out there in the world. Like you have your ma your huge mass distribution marketing method and then you have your local friends and family and people you care about kind of business and yeah i have i was always one foot in that world and one foot in that world because that's what they were pursuing right and i just it never felt right to be in that world uh. especially as like a unique product like we have where we're doing things very specifically and there's a lot of cool scientific things about kombucha and how it ferments in a specific space that it makes it kind of like where it's from is kombucha right based on like air quality where it's you know like all the unique things you get in an environment actually get put into the kombucha so you're making a local product yeah right right i think it's a little bit like similar to like the honey analogy right if you eat honey that's that's the pollen has been brought from the bees from a local area it's good for your allergies mm -hmm. i think potentially I, there's no scientific proof to this, so don't take my word for it, but I feel as though there's some of that carryover where where it's brewed is going to benefit you yeah. health-wise because of the like just the air quality. Like It's all getting in this product. Yeah. But so you said that's how it is up until just recently. Is it like changing now? So changing, yeah. We're going – I partnered with a, a local guy, Dennis, who does I Dig Ogden and a couple in Shane Sweet Gardens, a couple other businesses. He kind of – in essence, is my, my little savior in a lot of ways to kind of help me keep this thing moving just because I'm not as business savvy. Like I just have a mind for the production and how I want to do it. And really, that's a lot sure. for one person just to manage all the fermentation. And not that, that I was always managing just that. I had a crew who was helping me when we were a bigger company. But as this kind of thing went the other direction and investment pulled out, those people had to live their lives and right. do what they needed to do to survive. So Sure. 
But so now you're going to do the, you get to still focus on your thing, but Dennis is focusing on a like sales strategy kind of deal. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to do the Ogden, I dig Ogden method where you can get on his website and purchase our product and he'll have it delivered to your home. And then we're also, well, you're going to start to see us in other local shops, Brookie Bakes, Grounds for Coffee on 25th, uh, Lotus Cafe, and there's some other ones coming up that we're working on. And then we're just going to slowly try to integrate into as many local businesses that will take us. You know, hopefully we can keep doing business with Good Earth and also like Daily Rise and some of these people mm. we've worked with and, and just start from there. And then hopefully we can get a way for people to purchase direct from our facility here mm. in the BDO. So the hope is you're kind of moving away from trying to cast a wide net and just kind of really focusing local. I really, yeah, I want to have a space where the local, like everybody can come like a farmer's market every day. Because we, we had some of the best recognition in business at our farmer's markets. You probably saw us, if you did kombucha, you definitely did. And we just do this refill thing where you can come and refill your growler or any receptacle that you have for that matter. And then you, we pay, you pay by the ounce. Mm-hmm. We want to have that or that my dream and manifestation is to have a space in Ogden somewhere where you can do that all the time. And then obviously over time, there's some really cool products that I want to start doing like kombucha smoothies, potentially kombucha sorbet. Like I have a, a lot of fun recipes that can utilize kombucha. And that's what's cool about kombucha in essence is potentially there's no waste especially mm. if you have a back-end dentist uh compost and does a lot of compost stuff so we potentially as a company could have zero waste well a large percentage of waste i mean you're always going to have some small percentage right. of waste but and so like i don't know what does the process of buying it look like is it just like are you guys just going all in are you doing crowdfunding any of that kind of stuff yeah so we're doing kind of a little bit of each of those we we're doing a crowdfunding right now we have this little kind of marketing thing where uh Make Kombucha Loco again. And you'll see those posters kind of all up over Ogden, especially downtown on 25th Street. And we're just kind of asking for donations to start with. And then we're working on finding some local investment and hopefully owning it ourselves in whatever way that is. Currently, we're starting with getting everybody knowing that this is what we're doing, that we're moving to purchasing it, and then hopefully giving our community a chance to kind of help us with that. And then we have a lot of really fun, potential planned projects with local community stuff um, with the facility that I'm excited about as well. Yeah. Can you talk about any of that? Potentially our kitchen here could be a space where local food trucks could come and prep their food, park their vans, come do their prep, and then go sell their product out and have like a, a kitchen that's being monitored and managed regularly so they can just come in real quick and have that space to be able to do whatever they needed to do legally to be able to prep their food. Whatever that means, if cooking a portion of it, cutting up the vegetables, whatever legally they needed. And then also having kind of a commissary for all local products. So their product, if they do a package product or if they are just a local purveyor that have their own kind of facility to do, they come and they can sell their product here at this local-only commissary, in essence. That's cool. And then I would be in a storefront somewhere that just works for us, whether that's on 25th or on Washington or wherever, really, um, that people could you know, come get smoothies, come get kombucha by the like growler fresh making yeah yeah and then i want to have um because tea is a major part of my product i just want to offer tea beverages mm. as well so creating new unique kind of like coffee like tea drinks you know doing like tea lattes and and funky different frozen versions of that um, matcha and 
all kinds of versions. And then also people being able to come and get ingredients to brew their own kombucha. Yeah. So offering good quality organic sugar um, and also a wide variety of unique organic teas that hopefully we can start to get ethically procured from growers all over the all over the world. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, sugar has got to be impossible to source locally, right? I mean, we use organic cane sugar from Kirkland. Like, it's the for what it is, it's the best version of what we do. Yeah. The, the crystallized stuff is what I like to use. But there's so many versions and so many ways that you can you can get it. And then tea is the big thing, and having a good tea provider that's good proven organic or just very proven well grown because some organic certifications are hard to get across you know the pond there especially if it's grown in asia or africa or and so it'll be a high quality tea but it won't have the organic Uh um but we want to just make sure that we're getting high quality tea products that are grown without pesticides and don't have any bullshit in them that's most important to me yeah and so like just for people who want to support you guys and what you're doing as far as taking this over or or just you know want to find the the kombucha where's the best place for them to go right now so currently you can check us on i dig ogden there's a link to our information on there kombucha creations if you see our signs there's a qr code that you can follow that will show you how to donate to us if you get on that website same qr code will be there um, you can come check us out, purchase our products from the local purveyors. Currently, we got Brookie Bakes, Lotus Cafe, Grounds for Coffee on 25th Street. And ordering from Dennis on I Dig Ogden will be the quickest ways now. And then we'll slowly be, in the next couple of weeks, hopefully pushing out. And then um, in a couple months, we'll have that storefront. And like when you do that, is it going to be soon tea or is it like it's going to be kombucha creations but you're going to know that it's soon tea we're still deciding if we're going to keep a version of that name if we're going to like change it phonetically in some way uh. i would like to try to keep a version of that just so some so people can correlate it yeah but we'll probably always keep a version that say was soon tea now kombucha creations so uh. so people can attach us yeah to it we want to make sure that our customers know that it's still us and we're still producing the same quality if not a better quality product since we're not operating in the commercial parameters anymore well yeah do you want to talk about that at all just like what what can be different about the brewing process now well just now we're just less you know obviously there's probably a lot of local people who do packaged goods you have to follow a bunch of damn rules and they have to and it's they want to sell your product for a specific thing and so one of the, our sales representative her big thing was making sure our sugars were lower than anybody else's and so she wanted us to keep changing our our primary kombucha to match that sugar thing and the reality is is the sugar is so negligible in my opinion you know one or one to four grams is really not that big of a difference but you're changing a huge flavor profile and you even tasted it yourself where we have our new original recipe that doesn't have any less or any more sugar per gram but tastes so yeah it's just like a full flavor. It's like yes. there's a, a lot of different little flavors it's in there. It's more body. I mean, uh, one of the guys who used to work here, um, I won't mention his name either because he wouldn't want me to, but <laughs> he was always adamant that we kept that full body flavor. And yeah. he was really excited when we were able to do that again and yeah. kind of get away. As sad as it is to see this version of Sunti go, it was kind of a necessary. Like, I feel very much like a Ragnarok or like a. You know, like a phoenix in the essence, like where we have to burn up to be the version of what we've always wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. There was, I mean, it was like the thing that you were focusing on from the beginning, and then you know there was kind of the the necessary stuff. You when had to I do. was naive, I was young. I just was like, this is great opportunity, and I didn't know wh- that I was being taken advantage of. I well, I could feel it, but I didn't know how to to deal with it. How do I? What do I do? You know, I didn't. I saw my friend fight and hit a wall, 
and get knocked back and fired. And it was like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to go out like that. You know, I want to be agreeable, but I also want to stand my ground. So I did in the right circumstances where it was like, they want to try to change something and flare it. And I just got to a point where it was like, no, if you're going to do that, I'm gone. Yeah. And they, so they, when I, when I held my line, they respected it. And so that's why I stuck around. And cause I always knew I w- was going to potentially get to a, this position as hokey and spiritual as it sounds. Like I knew that I was going to be able to make it my own eventually. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, when Dennis was on, he was talking about music boots. So walk us through the idea of music boots just real quick. So music boots was just kind of this fun. We you know, when Dennis and I were first kind of talking and, and going over potentials with this, we kind of, he talked about music and sound waves. And I was like, you know what? Like, I think that's definitely a viable idea. This is what I've used to do. And we used to like, the guys who used to work here and I, we used to like ohm to the Scobies or we'd leave music playing. <laughs> and we felt like it created like a certain vibration, a certain kind of feeling in there. And it made us feel as though we were brewing like a high energy kombucha. Mm. Whether it was all just our... Our feelings are in our head. Who knows? But it felt like the right thing to do. And so I thought, I think music could have definitely affect what the kombucha does through fermentation. Yeah. And so we took that plan and we, Dennis is this idea machine gun that just starts throwing these great kind of processes at me. Like, how do we do this? And then I take it functionally and we get it to work. And so we did our first three and we had, so we had comparison. We did three bands, and there was a noticeable difference between each bass, like a measurable, noticeable flavor difference. Mm. And even in my kind of problematic brain where I was like, ah, they might be similar, you really, they got to a point where it's like, yeah, those are different. And then listening, so what the music booch is, is we're taking a band locally specifically, Mm. and we're making the kombucha listen to it in its primary fermentation the whole time, on repeat, one song. And so we're creating this product that is now has the energy of the music that it's been listening to. And then I kind of creatively talk with the artist and then kind of go in my lab, which is just a room with a table where I measure tea and stuff and kind of figure out, okay, what's the the closest profile to how this music now tastes. One of our hashtags is the taste of music. What does music taste like or what does sound taste like or how do you interpret it? One of the fun questions we ask the artist is, if your song was a flavor, what would it, what would the flavor be? And so they kind of would say, well, I think maybe blueberry. And I would take that and be like, okay, I like that. I think that works with the flavor that we're, we're going to get from the tea we're using. And then I expounded. So you're listening to it when you're creating the initial flavor. So, yeah. So it's playing to the SCOBY over and over and over again. And then I'm kind of on my own time listening to the song kind of like, okay, how would this song, how is this song making me feel towards like developing a flavor? Yeah. And like you say, the Scobie's listening to it. You have like headphones on it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we have speakers um, wrapped around it and muted. So the speaker is right on this stainless steel vat and it's the only way you really hear it really well is putting your ear to the opposite side. Really? And you can hear that kind of panning <laughs> in a tank sound, but it's louder than it is when you're just standing next to it. That's cool. So it's definitely getting in there. I wish there was a way for us to measure what's happening. Uh-huh. Like that that's my curiosity. Um, but it's again a very expensive process yeah, like to understand much, the molecular too much um, of an investment. To, yeah. To someday, someday, yeah, hopefully, right. maybe some crazy scientist or somebody who's in college is like, that would be a fun yeah. clinical. But well, yeah, and like now it's up to the consumer. That that's yeah. the only way you can measure it. Yeah. And so um you guys did three bands and you sold out of all that? 
Um, so we still have uh, some bottles left of that. I think some more of others. Um, so we still have some available, but we're selling them as singles now and not as a case deal, I believe. Mm. And then from now on, um, just to give the artist and myself the the time and respect it takes to, to develop the flavors, we're going to do once one a month. That makes sense. So we kind of had that measuring month where we're like, okay, can we tell the difference between these three? Kind of. And so that first one, we use green tea just as a standard. But we're going to start to ask the artists, okay, what base do you feel like will match your flavor the best? So um, we have I Amazing's Booch coming up, hip-hop artist. Yeah. It's fun, dude. has that Latin vibe. And he wanted sweet and spicy. So I'm doing a rooibos base, listening to a song, and then we're going to flavor it. And so I still haven't determined how, what flavor spicy is. Uh-huh. Um, I do have a certain palette that I play with because I use all in dried ingredients. So I can only, like, I can't just go grab raw this or whatever. I could, but it just, it's easier to control when you're using dried raw ingredients. Yeah. And I have that organic parameter that I follow too. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Do you guys know when the I Amazing batch is going to So mid, out? probably this mid-month, we got a couple more days of fermentation and then secondary takes a couple of days. So by the end of this week, it'll probably be done. And then we'll package it and have it ready to sell that third week of, of this month until the end of the month. Nice. I did get a taste of it along with the other ones. It was pretty good. It yeah, like, the bases. It's got, you got the unique. Uh, it's got a unique profile for sure. Yes. Well, yeah. rooibos is such... I don't know if you've ever had rooibos on its own. No, I don't but it's a it South is. African non-caffeinated beverage. So it's actually needle-like sprigs from a bush, actually. Rooibos means red bush. It's incredibly sweet. It has a tobacco-y note. When I first brewed it, the smell that comes through is like all the good parts of tobacco. I grew up around uh, um, cigar and pipe smokers. My, both my grandfathers were heavy smokers, and, and I have this nostalgic... That, that, that smell is just so, so nostalgic for me. Yeah. And so one of our first blends was the rooibos blend called the gentleman and we did vanilla clove and peppercorn which are normal kind of uh accent flavors to like a cigar or pipe tobacco okay yeah and so and so then the idea is you drop this new batch of music booch it tells everybody what the song is that goes with it and they kind of drink it and listen to the song and simultaneously hopefully you you have this like whole interconnection of not only you're getting this auditory experience but you're getting this guttural good vibe experience and we've really wanted to explore what different music is doing. So our first three, we had a rock band and a couple singer-songwriter, female voices. One was a little bit more bluesy. One was a little bit more like pure singer-songwriter. And then I Amazing's pure Latin hip-hop, like uh-huh. just party music. Yeah. And that's what he said. He makes party music. That, yeah. Like That's his vibe. <laughs> yeah. Party all the time. <laughs> that's you know? right. And so it's super fun, super bright. And then we're doing Next Ensemble for May. And then... One of my favorite local artists. I'm wearing a shirt. Yeah. But in uh, April, however the calendar works. June. June. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to do Earthworm. Yeah. And then uh, July. I like that, though. You got different styles going on. Like, it's a good way to to really see the effect. Yeah. And I think I'm a... I love exploring all music. I'm an instrumental or world or whatever. I just love music. And so I wanted that to be like where we weren't just pursuing popular music for our area and we're specifically utilizing artists that were coming up in our area uh. and earthworm was one that i've wanted to do since the beginning um but do you I think pick it, the song no we want do, hit, yo, we want do, them yeah. to pick the song like we really want them to kind of have their creative 
um, kind input. of yeah. input and like so they're a part of the process. Yeah. Because if I picked everything and said, well, I want this one, um, and potentially down the road, if someone wants to just create a song for the product, like yeah. I'm all about that too. Yeah. Um, what was that, July? Lucky Find. Okay. So they That's just July. performed at um, the van sessions at the Monarch. Yeah, yeah on this Friday. Last, yeah, nice. I think I might have gotten it all. Okay. Nice. Thanks, man. Cool. This is the start of our Youth Futures Fun Drive. Basically, we're giving the kids treats and gift cards for fun activities, and we would love your help. To find out exactly what and how you can donate, find us on social media.